And he also said, and I don't know that I can take you seriously whenever you make a trade offer either. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I know exactly what it meant. He, he snuck it in there. If you listen to that show, Tyler's first show, he snuck that in there. And I went, hey, that little weasel, man, he, he got me on that one. Here we are back again with another edition of Fantasy Impact Today, wrapping up our divisional series in the and in the what the AL Central is where we are in the AL Central and we had already gone over the Kansas City Royals and Detroit Tigers if you are fans of those teams we first of all we apologize uh we have got a support group started at fantasyimpacttoday.com or at fi today underscore there on Twitter you can you can get in touch with us there and we will direct you into your in, into some 12 step programs for that okay and just to take heart that there are brighter days ahead. Y'all are, y'all are doing some good drafting. That's, that's true. I, I've been a Cubs fan for a, a long time, and it was really sweet, you know, the year they won the World Series. And, of course, we've had a good run in making the playoffs uh, uh, for multiple years in a row and, and, and those kind of things. And I never thought about doing it. But can can like, if you're a Kansas City fan or if you're a Detroit fan or a Baltimore Oriole fan, can you switch teams? What what makes you have to be able to switch teams? All the losing that's done. All every single year you go into it without having a chance at winning. Tim, do you think that you have any reason at all to change allegiances? I think uh like I know a lot of people they they drop their fan fandom when uh, like a team leaves uh okay. like owner owner moves them to another city or something. Okay. Um I know that happened when the Browns moved to Baltimore, became the Ravens. You know, a lot of the Cleveland fans were pretty upset and irate about that and pretty much boycotted the Ravens, and then they finally got the Browns back. So I think in situations like that, and I'll, <laughs> I'm sorry, but if, if you can be a, if you can still call yourself an Astros fan after a, <laughs> this past debacle, you need to check your heart. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it, that, that's, that's got to be tough to have uh, some cheating allegations brought against your team. And I know my Braves ha- had some had some problems with that, with the international pool money kind of stuff in the last few years. And it's hard to deal with that. But, you know, you, you, you still hang on. You're you know that there's only a few people that probably really got into to doing that. But that's that's your hometown team. You're gonna love them until they're gone. Yeah, it takes a lot to be able to lose that team because you just grow up with them and and you witness a lot of things. I do think the cheating scandals may be one of those things, but uh, usually those aren't, uh, you know, not team related. Sometimes it's individual player related when it came to Major League Baseball. You know, it it w- might be different in other sports, but it, it almost seems. And well, I guess not when you think about other sports and steroid here and so forth. That seems like it, it. It's more individual player related right. instead of team related. So that, that was a unique situation. But definitely, when a team moves, if Kansas City moved y'all, just just go ahead and take that as an opportunity to just. <laughs> <laughs> although although those Kansas City Royal uniforms sometimes are they they are pretty sweet. Hey, uh, let's get into some news and notes real quick before we go over our last two teams in this division. Trey Mancini. It is reported according to the Players Tribune that he does not expect at all to play this year. 
that could be a big fantasy impact. He had a great season last year. I say great season. He was he was definitely a silver lining in the Baltimore lineup. Trey Mancini's one of those guys you could always count on and kind of expected big things out of that. And we hate for him. He has stage three cancer right now. So we hope that he can heal and come back maybe next year. Alex Verdugo is saying that he is feeling a 100% at this time for the Boston Red Sox. And Tim, I know you say that that guy can make a lot of good contact and he's a great at bat, a uh, great bat. Oh yeah. Loved him as a Dodger. Uh, I'm going to miss the guy. So I hope he does some good things, even though he's going to be playing for a team I pretty much dislike to the core. But uh, yeah, I, I hope he has a good season. Willie Calhoun also says that he's 100% after uh, hurting his jaw. So uh, Willie Calhoun is all back in. Jordan Hicks is throwing bullpen sessions now. This is a good name if you're out there and you have a fantasy team right now and you've already drafted and you got some of those uh, injury positions, some of those DL spots or IL spots at the bottom of your lineup. Jordan Hicks might be still wandering around out there on the waiver wire and you could just pick him up a lot of times and slide him right into that spot and hold on to him, especially in a shortened season. He, he may come back uh, and make a bigger impact than we believe he will this year right off the bat. Guys, there was another guy. Remember we did our history lessons on the old Fantasy Frenemy show? And uh, Tim, I think it was you and me on this one, where uh, I taught you about Andre Dawson and all the things that he did as a, as a baseball player. His job, post-MLB, he's, he's a mortician now. I, I didn't know this until recently. He's a mortician, and he has been face-to-face with the coronavirus. Dawson, who's 65 years old, saying that families have been devastated by it. He said he's very, it's been very, very sad. People mourn and grieve differently. Uh, they're not going through the process they would under normal circumstances. You see a lot of hurt and pain, he said. Andre Dawson said, who won MVP with the Chicago Cubs in 1987, was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2010. Kind of his, his brother owns a funeral home, and Dawson invested in the business. So, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about Andre Dawson that he was a mortician. It, it seemed like a strange yeah. thing for him to to do. I never I've never yeah, known anybody. I've never known anybody who had aspirations of being a mortician. I guess I don't even know how you would get a mortician's job. I have no idea, none whatsoever. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's kind of like a family business. Because uh, I don't see how like you could just grow up not being in that, and then just all of a sudden just be like. I want to uh, take care of dead bodies, and you know, like he said that during this time, he he, it was maybe a little bit more than he expected. He said it's been very stressful, and I, I could imagine like you're go, you know, I I think about myself and my business and and different people and how they're you know how they're having to cope with this, and and I guess a mortician that that would be one of those things where you're kind of going, okay, did this is not in the notes of how to handle this situation at all, so. Uh, good luck to Andre Dawson. We know the Hawk will treat people nicely. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine going through that at this time. But it reminded me of our history lesson, and so I put somebody here for us. Okay, uh, are are you guys ready for this? Are you guys ready for the history lesson? That this pitcher. We we do it now. We we do this. We don't reveal who this player is. We want you to kind of guess who it is and think about who it is a little bit. This player. He's from Las Vegas. That's where he went to high school. was in Las Vegas. So that might narrow it down for you a little bit. And this guy was a pitcher. He pitched for a long time in the major leagues from 1986 
all the way till 2008, where he wrapped up his career with the L.A. Dodgers. Didn't pitch a lot for them, but just he, he pitched. He pitched there to wrap it up there with his career. And he was, what was he known as? What would you guys say? Just one of the best control pitchers of all time. Not definitely not a flamethrower, right? If it's who I think you're talking about, yes, he could hit hit his spots, but he never was a a nineties plus uh, ballpark pitcher. Right, very smart, very crafty pitcher. Hovered around the 200 strikeout mark a couple of different times in his career. Topped out at 204 back in 1998. This guy's in the Hall of Fame, a four-time Cy Young winner. Was an eight-time All-Star, 1985 World Series champion. Eight. Listen to this one. Now, this might give it away if I say this. 18-time gold glove at his position. Is that not crazy? That's a, that's a lot of gold gloves. Just about every year that he played. Well, I know who it is because I've got the show notes sitting right here. So yes, and you are so diligent about those show notes. Listen, he <laughs> he he ended up with 355 career wins. I remember seeing him win his 300th. He had a career ERA of 3.16. His WHIP finished off at 1.143 WHIP, over 5,000 innings pitched, which gave him a very good reputation of knowing quite a bit about the game. When he ended up sitting in dugouts after he retired, he would tell people, I remember hearing stories of him telling people, hey, watch out for this next pitch. It's going to come right back at us. And the players would look at him like he was crazy. The guy would foul it off and it'd just come zooming into the bullpen and they would just be looking at him and he'd have a little grin on his face, right? <laughs> and he was always known as a prankster, I believe. Always known as a prankster. I love the uh, the Nike commercials with him and uh, Tom Glavin and John Smoltz. Uh, chicks did the, dig the long ball. Those are yeah. those are hilarious commercials. Those are those are funny. Those were great commercials. This guy started off the career. If you don't know who it is yet, it is Greg Maddox. He started off pitching as a Chicago Cub, went on to pitch with the Atlanta Braves, and then then wandered around the league a couple of different places. But uh, those were where he really made his heyday. Uh, with the Chicago Cubs and the Atlanta Braves. Some great stats here, too. A couple of times he was a 20-game winner. You see some 18-game, 19-game winners there. Just just a, a wonderful career that he had. Uh, Tim, I know you didn't get to see him in his prime in a Dodger uniform, but surely you were a fan of his when he was in Atlanta or Chicago. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was a young, young buck when he was in his prime. I remember watching a few of his games. Um as a kid, I wasn't huge into baseball back then, but I think I saw him play pitch against the Dodgers a few times. But, you know, I, I didn't really know the greatness that I was watching. Now, Bobby, you are a pitching expert on this in this podcast. What, what did you what do you take back or what do you take away from Greg Maddox? He had two seasons with 10 complete games. Two <laughs> oh, seasons. 94, 95 season. Yeah. Yes. That '95 season was, I mean, was spectacular. I mean, Braves won the World Series. Of course, it's the only World Series they won, but that that was just that was a wonderful season to to watch. Yeah, he finished um, the year that year, 19 wins, two losses. He had an ERA of 163. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so low. Ten complete games, like you said, three shutouts three. in those. In the in the uh, with 209 innings pitched that year, which is which is a lot of innings pitched. And looking looking at your uh, your your notes here, uh, all these black marks which show league yeah. leader, league leader, 
and like later. It's just it's unreal. Okay, now look at look at this too. In in those two hundred and nine innings pitched, and and the year prior to that, nineteen ninety four, two hundred and two innings pitched. Okay, he gave up in in nineteen ninety five. He gave up eight home runs in two hundred and nine innings pitched. In nineteen ninety four, he gave up four home runs in two hundred and two innings pitched. That's 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 crazy. The and the only man that had his number, Tony Gwynn. Really. Tony Gwynn had uh, over 300 batting average against Greg Maddox. It was like, I mean, it's like 340 something. If if I'm not mistaken, I mean he, I mean he just had his number. In those years, in in 94 and 95, he finished with a WHIP of 0.896 and 0.81. <laughs> it's just unreal. Yeah, those those were some uh, fantastic looking years, man. One fifty six and a one sixty three ERA, and once again, from somebody who wasn't a flamethrower, mm-hmm. you know that. And that's the thing we always think: uh, the the harder you could throw it, the it, you're going to get more strikeouts. Which of course that's true, but but you're just going to dominate it as a pitcher. Then, right? That's what we're used to seeing nowadays. You got to throw. 90s if you're going to do it you know if you're going to mid 90s upper 90s if you're just going to be that dominant pitcher nope not this guy Uh, and and the thing too whenever you look at his career stats the thing that jumped out at me it's right there in the middle of the steroid era Mm -hmm. you know uh he gave up in the middle of the steroid steroid era he gave up four home runs and eight home runs respectively in 200 innings pitched he couldn't touch the guy it just it, he wasn't giving up a lot of hits. He wasn't giving up a lot of home runs. He wasn't giving he wasn't giving up anything. And Greg, he was he he was um I mean of course Cy Young, Cy Young, Cy Young, Cy Young, but he was also third in MVP voting in ninety five. For any pitcher, that's always a great thing to have under your belt of accomplishments for a lifetime or for a career. And he's always just a fun guy too. Uh, lots of lots of great stories about Greg Maddox being a great clubhouse guy and a leader. And and like you said, Bobby, that, that commercial <laughs> where Chick's big the long ball, him and him and Glavin are working out and everything and they what they say hi to somebody. I can't remember who the ball player was, was. I think it was Mark McGuire. I think so too. They were trying to get the girl's attention and they said hi to him and they, they just got that look in their eye and they started working out. <laughs> what what they say? Push it Sally or something like that. Something they like that. <laughs> and, and the and the 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 fact that they actually all three were fairly good hitting pitchers too is it just adds to it and it's hilarious. Yeah, I looked that stat up too. I did look up the pitching, uh, the, their their hitting numbers or whatever. Greg, Matt, I thought he was a better hitter than that too. I was I expected to see some long balls. I think his career year in home runs was two. I think he hit two one year, and that was it. And I was going. I thought he was a better hitter than that. And like every year, he batted like 220 or something at the most. It, it, I was like very, I was very disappointed in that. I, I, maybe the chicks don't dig Greg Maddox as much as we do. But Greg Maddox was our history lesson. Guys, I appreciate that. I like going down that Greg Maddox memory lane. All right, but we got to get into the last two teams here. Uh, we went over the Indians last time, and I told you I couldn't decide who was going to win this division between the Indians, the Twins, and the White Sox. And I did put this in some order, and I admitted myself that maybe my heart was in the White Sox a little bit too much because as I looked at their team, as I looked at their team, I said maybe maybe you're not being fair, Wes. Maybe maybe the White Sox aren't the team to win this division. 
So we will uh, we will go ahead and knock the White Sox out right now as we break down these lineups. All right, so when we look at the White Sox, you got Garcia leading off possibly as MLB.com's projected lineups, starting lineups. And Moncada second, Abreu, Eloy Jimenez batting fourth. Grandal, Encarnacion, Anderson. I could see some changes to this lineup because I don't think you could put Eloy Jimenez fourth. I think you got to stick an Encarnacion at fourth. Uh, Tim Anderson, Mazzara, and and Robert bat ninth. I don't think uh, you can put Robert in the ninth spot either. Uh, I've got a a little bit different lineup I'm looking at right now. I've seen some different lineups too. This one I'm looking at right now has Grandal in the fourth spot. Eloy batting five. Robert Robert, what have you? I've I've heard it pronounced both ways, and I, I need to figure out how to pronounce that. But he's batting eighth in this lineup, and if he bats, if he comes up and and lights the you know the league on fire, you've got to move him up. Sure. I don't know I don't know where you to move him up to, because there's a lot of good hitters on this lineup. Yep. But yeah, that's that's a solid lineup. And it'd be weird to have him bat in eighth or ninth. It is a West, solid West lineup. West didn't like any of these. West didn't want any of these guys this year. I didn't want any of them. And it does look like a good lineup on the outside. But whenever I look at their deeper numbers, whenever I look at their advanced stats, I just don't like it. You got Juan Moncada having a breakout season last year. I mean, breakout. He, he's, he was, he's always been that guy who, you, I don't know, you rooted for. He's been a speedy guy. He's had a little pop in his bat. And last season, he had 315, 25 home runs. He only stole 10 bases, uh, 83 runs scored, and uh, 79 RBIs. But you know what he had? He had a 405 BABIP with a 69% contact rate. Fellas, that's not impressive at all. That does not jive together. I don't know what how lucky this guy is if he carried a rabbit's foot in his back pocket along with his uh, batting gloves. But he he that does not go together. And I'm going to tell you somebody else, Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson does have a good contact rate, but he batted almost a 400 BABIP, which is unusual for him as well. And he had a 173 ISO, but yet he had 18 home runs. I think there's a big regression coming coming the way of those two batters right there and if that's if that is the case let me tell you Eloy Jimenez did not impress me last year and maybe he can't hit big league pitching maybe I don't know he you look at all his peripheral stats and it just doesn't look like it it doesn't nothing jumps out at the page at you like whoa hey that's really good he had a 308 BABIP it's you know there's there's just nothing there so I, I look at this team as possibly Really, whenever I looked at their advanced stats, a disappointing team to me because I had my heart set on them going to the World Series this year, quite possibly because I knew they had to get past the Twins. But, hey, anything could happen. Anything could happen, but uh, I don't I don't think they'll win the the uh, the division either. Uh, I think they could very well be a, a wild card team. The one thing that I would have to see from them is the back half of that rotation, right? Solidifying a little bit better. Uh, Dylan Cease, I believe, has potential. Whatever they get out of Gio Gonzalez, if they get anything decent, would be a positive. But if they can get Michael Kopech mm-hmm. he- healthy and pitching again this year. That could that could be a really good a really good pitching staff. 
No, I agree with you. I th- I thought they're on the outside, you know, going into the season, I knew the White Sox were all in. They were they were pushing all the chips in the middle. They said that we got we got to get it this year, guys. And I think they see the same thing you do. That pitching staff is really solid. Their bats look real good from the outside, but when I dissected them, I just didn't like them. But man, this pitching staff. You can give me some Giolito, cuz. You can give me some Keuchel. You can give me some Kopech. And and you can even give me some Dylan Cease. Give me a little bit of Geo as well and sprinkle in not a lot, just a little. Just a little, a little bit of a sprinkle of a Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, I, I, w- I will take that all day, every day. That is a good pitching staff. Yes, it is. And, and I like their bullpen a lot as well. Oh, it's a solid bull, bullpen. Oh, I mean, that's that, a really good bullpen. <laughs> that is a great bullpen. I mean, we're not even talking about the closer, Colome, who who did a great job. Rodon, he's, he's a solid backup if you had if something happened to Colome. But then you got Bummer stick in there, and and you got a, uh, oh, si- uh, sh- sh- sis- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got Sizik, as however you pronounce it. He was he's yeah. he's man. They they have got a great pitching staff. I like that. That is very underrated pitching staff. And I think the health concerns are are what we are most concerned about. And of course, like I said, you don't want Ronaldo Lopez starting too many games, but. He's he's your mercenary, I guess. He's he's the guy you just throw out there and say, "Here, uh, you know, guys, guys, you got to hit a lot of home runs today." And, and you want to talk about some speed? There's a prospect they have by the name of Nick Madrigal, uh, just waiting, just waiting in the wings to take that uh, second base uh, spot from from Lurie Garcia. Mm-hmm. I believe he's the second baseman. Thirty-five stolen bases in the minors last year. Struck out a whopping 16 times. Wow. 16. So he's your on-base guy. Yeah. I mean, that that's a guy who can be at the top of the order, be on base, and get those stolen bases. Yeah. And, and, and you know, they got the, the Brayu and the Encarnacion's to hit him in, and Grandal's no slouch at catcher either. All right, so so we like their lineup. This this could be a dangerous team. Um, I think that they have regression in store for them, though, as far as their bats go. So let's compare them to the Twins. All right, let's look at these Minnesota Twins. Uh, they are a very dangerous squad. Did you guys see in the stats how many thirty-plus home run people they had on their team last year? That was crazy. Well, they they crushed the 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 record for the team home run stat. So yeah, and and then they just all they did was add Josh Donaldson to that, who had thirty seven <laughs> home runs himself. I was surprised at how many runs in RBI. I w- I expected to see more people with a hundred runs and a hundred RBI, but I think that that was more due to playing time than anything else. They didn't have a lot of people who uh, had a, had over. Uh, they didn't, nobody had six hundred at bats except for Polanco. And nobody even was reaching that 590 mark. They didn't have a lot of people who played every single day. It doesn't look like they tried to keep everybody fresh. And definitely not a lot of 300 hitters either. Yeah, I think there's, uh, well, I was going to say one big difference, but um, your two big differences is you're going to have a lot. I almost say a lot because you're, you think there's going to be regression from the White Sox. I think there's room for improvement. You have a lot of young hitters on the White Sox. A lot of these guys on the Twins are, you know, are veterans, and they're get some of them are getting old. But 
they're, they're, you're you're not you you know what you're going to get with the Twins, home runs, a lot of RBIs, you know, 250 to 80 batting average for their players. With the White Sox, I, I mean, I think there could be a, a few guys that will bat over 300. Well, we're going to have a disagreement because on my notes here, I even have that. I think that the Twins can can improve from last year because I didn't see their BABIP numbers be all that high. I, their their BABIP numbers weren't tremendously high from last season. I think that if they hit more line drives as a team instead of trying to hit the ball in the air to hit a home run all the time, because you, you look at those ISO numbers, those ISO numbers are just through the roof for all of them. And if if they hit more line drives and try to score more runs to produce runs instead of just hitting that, waiting for that one long shot, this team has room for improvement. If you ask me, I don't think that they'll do it because everybody, all oh, chicks dig the long ball. Can we say that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but man, if they if they did that, try to hit more line drives than they did home runs. I was in a slow pitch softball league last year. There was a team that I played. They got mad if they hit a home run. Because, you know, you only had like three or four a game or something like that, whatever mm-hmm. they could hit. And they would get mad if they hit a home run and didn't hit it at the fence. And that's what these that's what these Minnesota Twins remind me of, is that team that would – and that they crushed me. I, I was pitching, and they just crushed me every single game I pitched against them. And I think that they could generate a ton more uh, – a lot more runs if they just quit swinging for the fences every single at-bat. Now, Tim, I appreciate you holding on to Max Kepler for me. <laughs> we know he has to end up on my team, right? Well, we don't know. No, we don't know that. <laughs> At least Bobby had the courtesy to uh, deny one of my trades. I, I had a Max Kepler trade on the board for you for a month, and you never even responded to that Just one. because I haven't looked at my team in like a month. <laughs> what do you think of this pitching if you, staff? If you're gonna, if, right now, oh. if you're going to send me a trade, you have to text me and that you sent me a trade. I was just trying to put a smile on your face. I listened to back to one of the old shows and or just one of the shows that Tyler was on, and Tyler said he wasn't sure if he could take me seriously uh, in life whenever I tell a story or not. And he also said, and I don't know that I could take you seriously whenever you make a trade offer either. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I know exactly what it meant. <laughs> he he snuck it in there. If you listen to that show, Tyler's first show, he snuck that in there, and I went, hey, that little weasel man, he he got me on that one. Uh, what do you think about this pitching staff, too, for the Minnesota Twins? We talked about how good the White Sox were. I, I think that that's what kind of separated me between this team and the White Sox uh, was the pitching staff. I, I'm going to rank the pitching staffs as White Sox, uh, uh, Indians one, White Sox two, and probably the the Minnesota Twins three. But they, they got a lot of good names on here. There, there's some good names on there, one, two, and three. Barrios, Order Easy, and Maeda. Yeah. Four and five, not so much. <laughs> Four and five are, are, are problems. Come well, on, whenever you're, you're a pit- You don't like Bailey? <laughs> not that I don't like him. It's just I don't like his stats. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever you have a first name as a pitcher of Homer, that just always is a warning sign, is it not? Yeah, it's not. It's not a good omen. Uh, the problem for them is they have they have an injured Rich Hill, which is normal. Rich Hill is always injured, uh, and then they have always. it's always a finger, yeah, finger blister or a rib. He's got a blister, guys. 
Uh, and then they have uh, Michael Pineda, who is suspended. So, you know, who would have been their four and five are out. And I know Pineda is going to be out for a while. Uh, Rich Hill could come back sooner with the delay in the season. But, yeah, after after the top three, it's, <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know, though. When you look at their stats, they, they've got some pretty impressive ERAs. There's not a lot of people over four. Uh, the whips are pretty low as well. Nobody really over 120. Not a lot of strikeouts per innings pitched or anything like that. But it, you know, these guys, the pitchers have got such an advantage because the offense is going to score you six to eight runs per game, it seems like, on the surface. So you're just trying to get through the game, you know? They're, uh, they'll have another good season like they did last year, but they won't make it far in the playoffs because of their pitching. Because their pitching's not going to be as good as some other teams they're going to face. All right, so you can listen to our past podcast, our last one, uh, part one of this divisional division breakdown here in the AL Central, and listen to our take on the uh, Cleveland Indians. But guys, you remember that episode, or you guys remember recording that? I'm going to ask you, uh, as I'm, I'm taking for granted, you're going to say Kansas City and Detroit are finishing bottom two out of these next three teams. What's what's the order they're going to finish? The Cleveland Indians, the Minnesota Twins, and the Chicago White Sox after breaking them down. I would have to pick the Twins to win their division. Uh, I'll pick them by uh, – I mean, it's going to be close. I won't pick them by two games. It's going to come down to the wire over the White Sox. I will put the Indians probably four games behind. I mean, in a really close division. Tim? I think the Twins are going to blow it out like they did last year again. I think the time off helps the White Sox because their pitchers did get banged up at the end of last year. They were they were all a little bit injured. I think they threw in the towel a little bit at some point. So this extended time off might be able to help them out more than anybody else because the pitching staff's arms will get a little more rest, which will be beneficial to them. But I agree with you. Looking at this offense, the Minnesota Twin offense, that that is going to be a train, and it is going to hard. It's going to be hard to stop it. It's just going to be hard to stop. I cannot believe how many people hit over thirty home runs for that team last year, and I cannot believe what what their power numbers were for their ISOs and different things like that. I just couldn't believe how much it was. So it, it is going to be really hard to contend with hey. that. T- now, now, let me say this. Let me say this. Depending on how the season breaks out and where the Minnesota Twins have to play, Major League Baseball is not going to be dumb enough. I say that, and and it's a little tongue in cheek, to stick them in a ballpark where the ball does not fly out of the ballpark. But you put the Minnesota Twins in a ballpark where they can't hit home runs, where maybe it's not home run friendly, and it, and it, and it counteracts that home run power that they have. I throw that out the window, okay? Uh, they they may hit more home runs than anybody else in that league, but it won't be enough home runs to win that division, whatever division they're in. That that's that's my caveat to all this. How about that? Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good um, point. Whenever Bobby gives me one of those, hmm, that's a good point, Wes. Okay, all right, take that. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I'll, I'll give the division to the Minnesota Twins, and I'll say White Sox finish second and the Indians finish third. But I, I will, I'll throw that caveat in there. And if if that's the case, then I might even put the Indians first 
in that if they have to go play somewhere else and they're all in that kind of same division because I think the Indians will be able to generate more runs. And you can listen to that last show uh, for Fantasy Impact today. Find it on Twitter, I'm sure. We've got a, probably a link on there, FI Today, with a little underscore, Fantasy Impact Today on Twitter. And if you really need to find out where that episode is so you can listen to our breakdowns of what the Cleveland Indian team are and, and the Kansas City Royals and all that, I'm sure you can get in touch with us at fantasyimpacttoday at yahoo.com. Listen, we appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this Fit family. As we grow, we hope you grow as well and get that name out there for us a little bit more and, and throw it around and let people know about this show until we have content on an ongoing basis with Major League Baseball. We, I think, guys, I don't know if you listen to a lot of podcasts or not, but everybody's trying to generate this new content, trying to generate content, and there's really just nothing going on. So, yeah. you know, as you talk about these things, you, you got to think about all these different scenarios. We appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. And as always, we encourage you to go out and make your own impact in the world today.